Hey, uh, it's so good to be with you guys. It's so good to be in the house of God today, and it is such an honor for me to be able to open the scriptures with you. Um, I do this before we start every time in youth group, and I just want to ask if you would just bow uh, with me as I say a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, come and speak. God, we don't want to hear from Andy today. We want to hear from you. So take my words and use them, God. In your name we pray. Amen. So this last month here at church, we've uh, spent it, we've referred to it and called it a month of gratitude, a season of gratitude. We've taken time to say thank you for an entire month. This Sunday, that comes to a close, but it comes to a close in a crowning moment of saying thank you. Christ Jesus, Christ the King, is raised up as the one true King. But before he's lifted up, he has an interesting conversation with a man named Pontius Pilate. We're going to take a look at this conversation today. But knowing the whole of what happened in the Passion story, we get to watch a play unfold in the scriptures before us. But we get to also see what's happening behind the curtain. See, in this conversation, there is a crashing together of two kingdoms. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of man. We find this story in a passage in the Gospel of John, chapter 18. It's an incredibly interesting part of the Passion story. So let me first lay out where we are in the story. Let me try and place us on the map within the Passion narrative. So Jesus has been arrested. He's been tried by the Sanhedrin. And now he sits in the office of Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate is the reigning authority in Jerusalem, the first non-Jew set up to govern for the Roman Empire in Jerusalem, the most powerful representation of the power of the Roman Empire. And he is very, very excellent and good at what he does. And so this passage picks up with the high priest dropping Jesus off with Pontius Pilate. It says this, it says, So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. See, this is funny right off the bat to me. They have no legitimate charges to bring against Jesus, so they pull one of these moves, which I get to work with students, so I see this move a lot, and you've probably seen it, and maybe you've even done it. One of these, like, look, we're, we're totally doing the right thing here. You know, like, come on, just, just let us hand him over to you. But Pilate's not buying it. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. See, Pilate throws back at Jesus what the students these days would say is a little shade. He throws it right back at him and says this, I don't want anything to do with this man. This is your problem. Fix it yourselves. But the priests are not budging. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death that he was going to die. So Pilate obliges them, even though he's a very busy man. He's got a lot on his plate. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And the response is interesting. Is this your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? See, Jesus first speaks to Pilate asking, listen, you need to let me know if this is something that you came up with or are you just being the high priest's puppet? 
Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? Can you feel the proudness in Pilate's voice? Am I a Jew? Your people gave you to me. Your people handed you over. He's no Jew. He's the head of the Roman Empire in this place. Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, Pilate said. And here we have it. The crashing of two kingdoms, one of heaven and one of earth. Two kings sitting across the table from each other, but one is totally missing the point. Jesus answered Pilate, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What I find so amazing, and I I have to nerd out because I am a seminary student after all, so you have to go to the Greek for this, right? Um, Is that the word for truth is also in the beginning of John's gospel, setting up the ministry of Jesus. John writes, you received the law through Moses, but grace and truth came through Christ Jesus. It's like a bookend happening here that we're seeing as we near the end of Jesus' ministry on earth. And then we have the final response from Pilate. What is truth? Retorted Pilate. Can you see Pilate's response? What's truth? What's truth? In this question, these two kingdoms come crashing into each other. What is truth? Pilate can only see what he knows, and he does not know truth. This is a statement of missing the point. He shrugs off the kingdom of God illuminated for him. This mighty ruler who commands armies to guard the, keep the people of Jerusalem under persecution and rule has no care to understand the kingdom of God that Jesus illuminates for him. Truth for Pilate is simply the power in the Roman Empire and the constants of his busy schedule. He had no need for the truth that Jesus was talking about because he was the most powerful man in all of Jerusalem. And so, he shrugs. What is truth? Truth does not threaten his power, or at least he would not think it could. After all, Rome ruled the world. There was no room for another kingdom, and if one would try and rise up, Rome would just crush it like they did all the other kingdoms before The truth of the play that we see playing out here is that we are watching it happen in the scripture, but see it also happens in our world today. But what does it look like in our world today? I mean, surely we don't have Pontius Pilate, the best of the best when it came to ruling Jerusalem, crashing up against the kingdom of God in our world today. No, we don't. But what I do see is a much more subtle kingdom trying to take the place of God's kingdom. See, as I think about the current season that we're headed into of Advent, I see another crashing of two kingdoms. And quite honestly, this one stung a little bit when I started writing. What did everybody do last Friday? Did you have a little fun shopping? Did you go out and buy all the things? Yes! 
right? Did you go crazy and start shopping right after you finished Thanksgiving dinner on Thursday? I mean, that's what you do now. You don't even wait till Friday. You start on Thursday. Did you allow the discounts to lure you into a shopping frenzy? Did you exercise your professionalism in shopping? Because here is the deal. We as a society and as individuals are really great consumers. We're the best at it. We don't even have to leave our homes. We can stay in pajamas and buy all the things from our couch. I can tell you that for myself, I love to use every single tool I can find so that I can find the best deals. See, we and I are really great at consuming. Now, you got to be wondering at this point, what does this have to do with the conversation between Pilate and Jesus? I want to tell you a story about an experience I had with this whole idea of consumerism, um, but from the other side, from the sales perspective of it. So before I worked here at ECRC, I worked for a very small company that you may have heard of. Uh, it's called Apple Computers. Very small. Um, and as far as getting really good revenue and sales, Black Friday was the best, right? And it was my job to sell all the things. Now, on Black Friday, Apple discounts their products by, like, nothing, essentially. They're like, we're going to give you 15 cents off. Right? But people go nuts, absolutely nuts, to give you an idea. All right? We opened early, and I was like, all right, we're just going to do whatever we can to just crush on this day. The last Black Friday I worked, personally, I sold over $120,000 in revenue. And that did not include any business sales. This was simply iPhones, iPads, laptops, iPods, individually back and forth. Now, I don't tell you that this great big number because I'm like, oh, good job, Andy. You sold way too many people things they didn't need. No. I was a really great employee, but I have to say that I felt totally and completely sick leaving that day. I couldn't believe in what I had taken part in. And I tell this story because I think that it illuminates the fact that there is a very real kingdom at large in our world that would challenge our allegiance to the true kingdom of God. I see two kingdoms crashing up against each other, and I don't want us to miss the real truth. Think about it. As a society, we all pause and talk about how thankful we are at a wonderful meal on Thursday night, and hours later, we turn into greed monsters lurking the aisles of you-name-it store to score the best deal. And we do all this while preparing for the celebration of Christ the King's birth. This, my friends, is indeed two kingdoms crashing into one another again. The kingdom of consumerism and the kingdom of God in Advent. A kingdom fueled by money and advertisements telling us that we need more things. And here is the thing, this kingdom of consumerism culture is powered by the best of the best advertisers, the smartest people that are trying to convince you of the idea that you need more stuff. And in order to have more stuff, you have to keep on working to earn more and more money, and the cycle continues and continues and continues. And I'm not saying here that it's wrong to buy things or that earning money is bad. Please don't hear that. I'm not vilifying you buying presents for one another. Not at all. I'm simply trying to illuminate another kingdom that is fighting for a place in our hearts. 
Interestingly, money is one of the only powers that Jesus speaks about that can challenge his place in our hearts. The Jewish people even referred to it as the God of mammon, money. There is a very real kingdom that is power would try and draw us away from the kingdom of God. The mantra of buy all the stuff, collect all the toys, get all the things. And I will admit that on both sides of the line, while working at Apple and now as a customer, I'm part of the problem. My point in saying all of this is I don't want us to get caught up in this kingdom and shrug off like Pilate did, seeking God's face in Advent. So we have the crashing of two kingdoms, crashing right up against one another. We can see one example in our text and one in our world. And here's the great part. There's good, good news in both. It's like the play I talked about going on on stage and the actor pilot can only see what is happening on the stage, but we as the audience get to see the, the whole picture, the, the bigger picture of what's happening in the background. Jesus is ushering in the kingdom of God. He is about to be lifted up on a cross to be crowned king of the Jews and to bring in the true kingdom, a kingdom that is based in truth, the undeniable truth that you are loved by God and that his son came to earth to be lifted up on a cross to hang the banner of love over his kingdom. See, Jesus did not come looking to be a subversive political movement. He came to heal the sick, to take compassion on the down and out, and to love the unlovable. He came to wash feet, not to arm wrestle for political power with Pilate. And we all know what happens after his conversation with Pilate. Christ the King is lifted up on a cross and dies as the atoning sacrifice for our sin and brokenness. He rises from the dead, though, with resurrection power to heal the chasm that sin has created in our relationship with him. And this is all good news, my friends. This is nothing to shrug off. And I believe that there is a way to live life without missing the point of the glory of the kingdom of God like Pilate did. See, when Jesus walked this earth to teach us how to live, he showed us the kingdom of God. Jesus used a wash basin to show us what it looks like to be a disciple and a citizen of the kingdom. He washed feet to show us what the truth of the kingdom is. As we head into Advite, Advite, Advent, as we head into Advent, we are invited not to join in the craziness of our consumeristic culture, not to shrug off the celebration of the birth of Christ the King, but instead we are invited to wash the feet of those around us. We are invited to take the road less traveled. We are invited to accept the higher calling, a calling to live the sacrificial reality of the greater kingdom of God where the true king ascends the throne via a cross. This king shows us love and mercy and invites us to do the same. As I was writing and as I was researching And as I was thinking about this, I was overjoyed to see this kingdom work happening all around me in this church. Over the last few weeks in the narthex, I've seen this kingdom at work in the very act of joining in the efforts of the amazing organizations by supporting them financially with our gratitude trees. 
I think of two youth group leaders who, instead of going out to party on a Friday night, pack food and go downtown to feed the homeless. My heart is overjoyed to see the kingdom of God take root in one of our students when she showed up to a missions trip with a suitcase twice as big as her own with clothes and supplies for those in need we were heading to serve. I think of the many families in our church who felt so compelled to reach out and adopt their sons and daughters that they changed the entire way they went about living in order to do so. I think of a student on a missions trip to Honduras who saw a child in a garbage dump who had no shoes, and so he took off his own shoes and gave it to the boy in need. I think of the families in this church that come up to me, and I'm so blessed by this, whenever we're getting ready for a trip, and we'll say, if there is a student that needs to be on the trip and money is the reason they can't go, just let us know and we'll take care of it. I see the kingdom of God in the leaders of the she ministry here at the church who relentlessly step into the lives of single mothers in our community and walk alongside of them to help them know and feel the outstretched arms of God towards them. I think of the members of our church that are willing to get behind the movement of the kingdom of God and do whatever they can with time, talent, and treasure to support it. Or I think of the kingdom of God in the simple act of taking a child's hand and letting them know that they are loved. You can't help but see it there. I see kingdom work going on around us everywhere. But I also think we're invited to do more. Because Christ invites each of us to join his kingdom work. Pilate didn't get it. He never got the answer to what is the truth. He shrugged it off and he missed the point. But I can tell you that we have our answer. It is Christ the King who invites us to wash feet and love those around us. And what better way to celebrate our gratefulness than to join in God's kingdom movement? My friends, what better name to glorify and what better kingdom to pledge allegiance to than Jesus, who is Christ the King? I want to close in prayer, but I do this at every single youth group, and I feel it's super appropriate right now, and every one of our students knows this. As I want to tell you this, that you're loved. You're so loved by our God. You are so loved by Christ the King, who invites you into this work with him. Let's pray. Jesus, Christ the King, you rule over all things and you love us dearly. We want to say thank you for that. Jesus, we want to stop for a moment and remember that we, as we head into this crazy holiday season, that you are at the center of it, and so all should be at the center of our hearts. Help us not to miss the point, not to shrug off the opportunity to seek you more, but illuminate yourself even greater to each of us in this season. We love you. We praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.